0: You have to stop allowing your own limiting beliefs to impact your reality. And until you actually address them, write them down, and really look at them, then they're actually real.
1: Hi. Welcome to The Melrose Show. Melrose here. If you've listened to this intro before, you can click the forward button now eight times to get to the start of this episode. So before this version of myself, I was an artist, fashion designer, professional model, TV personality, small business owner, real estate agent, placement agent, and an institutional financial advisor, all before stepping into my current role, which I love in investor relations and podcasting professional. Woo! It was a wild ride to get here and after all those jobs, living in 6 countries, 16 different cities and trying on many versions of myself, I have found that the best place to live is comfortably in my purpose and in a space and a community that allows me and wants to see me grow. And I want the same for you through my highly versatile career path and working with others on their dreams along the way, I decided to start this podcast to try to help people understand that life is not a race, it's a marathon, career is not a ladder, it's a jungle gym, and that I really believe truly the best way in life is following curiosity. My curiosity has me focused on career, plants, shadow, light, and integration work, art, permaculture, and community building. These are my purposes in life. And for me, they all go together. They're topics that we will explore together throughout time on this podcast. And I come here to connect you to unique ideas from incredible people. The aim is to help us all grow more into our purpose-driven lives. This podcast supports a community of amazing humans that meet on full moons to howl and heal. We are a global community. Many are interviewed on this podcast, and I invite you to join us offline after the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exploration journey with people from around the world who have self-actualized in their lives in some way. Hopefully, they will inspire you in your own authentic journey. Enjoy! Today we are joined by Danielle Mills. She is the founder and CEO of Headstrong. She's an Amazon best-selling author, retired professional tennis player, and she holds a day job. Hi, Danielle. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thank you so much for joining us. I forgot to mention you also have your own podcast. Yes.
0: A lot going on
1: here. Yeah. So. Um this is just so incredible to have you on the podcast and I would love if you just give us a little insight on your background and how you came to all
0: these different roles and just you know a little more about you. No, definitely. Thank you so much for for having me on, but a little bit about me um I basically tennis has probably been like the one thing in my life that has always been there. Like I started playing when I was 2 years old, immediately was like pretty advanced. So by the time I was 14, I had turned professional. I was training at this really world-renowned tennis academy called Volatari in Florida and started playing pro tennis, traveling all over the world. That was like my life for about 12 years. And what happened was um, it all came kind of crashing down when I had a, you know, a career-ending injury that was, um, I ended up having to get double knee surgery and after that was not able to continue on at the same level that I was playing. So I made a really tough decision to retire. And then once getting out of um, tennis, wasn't really sure what the heck I was going to do with my life and ended up getting into the automotive industry, which is just like, huh, how does that happen? But I ended up getting into the automotive industry and, you know, doing pretty well there. And now I'm a a regional manager for an, an automotive tech startup company, which is really cool. It's called Prodigy. And just through working there and doing really well there, I just always wanted to kind of create my own thing. I've always been very like entrepreneurial mindset. So I knew like I wanted to have my own company no matter what. And then I created my own company called Headstrong, which I I do now, which I love too. So I kind of balance both my day job and then also my company, but they really play off of each other. And it's been, it's been awesome.
1: I love that. So, what is headstrong? Clearly, it, this this must be something about keeping your head strong. But it's great <laughs> to have a professional athlete, you know, encouraging people um, in this
0: in this way. What can you describe describe headstrong to us? Definitely. So, think of headstrong as a mindset mentorship company. So, basically, I work with people. I help them improve their mindset, because with most people, their mind is the one thing that's holding them back from reaching their potential in life. So I work with individuals, a lot of times it's women, but it's really anybody who's really feeling like they're not reaching their potential. And I kind of teach them how to have a champion's mindset to really get what they want in their life, And through doing this, it's just brought me so much joy because I've always been the the kind of person who lives life glass half full. And I've always been that way. And a lot of the training and and the mindset training I've had throughout my career and just doing this from such a young age, it's just instilled in me. So a lot of those things I do and I work with, with people who maybe didn't have that type of background or training. And it just really is cool to see how far people can come when they truly focus on having a positive mindset. A lot of people realize that Being a professional athlete
1: requires a mindset that um, many people can't even literally wrap their head around, you know, always having this, you know, incredible way of thinking that isn't just motivating, but is, is in a winning mindset. And I think that that's so cool that you're now translating that to a company. And I love how you have, you say that your jobs are very supportive of each other. Because a lot of people have side hustles and it can be hard
0: if they're disconnected, right? Definitely. No, I'm so lucky that in my own job, they're so supportive of me and what I do because a lot of the same energy that I bring to my clients that I work with with Headstrong, I bring that same energy to my customers that I work with in the dealership world. And then within my own company, just Kind of motivating uplifting and inspiring people in my own job so for them they're like oh this is great she's just always so happy and positive but that could rub off on us we're all about it so they're they're cool with it
1: and one of the things that you said that i thought was so interesting was that when you had your double knee surgery and you retired that you had kind of been like thinking about it for a while at that point and that your parents were actually more shocked than uh, than you when you were like i'm gonna retire mm-hmm Yes. Tell us a little bit about that because isn't it, I find it fascinating that like your mind was even like, I'm not saying your mind got you into needing surgery, but your mind was kind of manifesting this situation where you would have an exit and you knew to take advantage of that opportunity and not just push yourself to a limit where you wouldn't necessarily maybe
0: go out on top. Right. No, definitely. It's just, this is something that a lot of, um, athletes deal with. They get to a certain point in their career where their bodies are either breaking down or they're basically like hanging on by a thread because they don't know what they're going to do next because their whole life has been dedicated to this sport and to basically using your body for your sole source of income. And then it's it's really scary and terrifying to, to retire and to think like, well, what do I do now? And I know for me, that was such a tough decision but like you said like i had been kind of thinking about doing it for some months before i decided to actually pull the trigger because i knew that i didn't like you said i did not want to go out at the bottom like i knew that i wanted to go out with some dignity and i knew that um a lot of my skill sets and characteristics that I have by way of being a pro athlete would be great in other things. I didn't know at the time what I was going to really do. I mean, I got into real estate because um, my aunt, she's just like a powerhouse real estate agent. And I was like, I have really similar personality to her. So I figured I'd be good at that. But I realized that that wasn't really my passion. And that's kind of what opened up the door to get into the automotive industry. And then also to, to think about creating this company headstrong because people had always been telling me like, you're just so positive. Like whatever happens, you just always have this outlook on life. That's just like, that, that's just not normal. Like, what is that? Where does it come from? And (laughs) for me, it's just like, you know, this is just always the way it, the way that it's been. So I love that I can now like help people with that because there's so many people who walk around and their thoughts are so negative and that really impacts them all over. Totally.
1: Do you ever have days where you're like, I'm just going to be like head weak for a minute and just chill?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I am absolutely human. And there are days where I'm not happy, bubbly and excited, but I do not allow myself to stay in those spaces for very long. Like I've been on the record saying it's been like, Oh, it's an hour here five minutes here. I think it's truly like not that long. Like for me, if I know it's something that I can't change the outcome for,
1: Mm. I just
0: don't allow myself to sit in that space for too long because since I know the outcome cannot change, I immediately accept it, embrace it, and then I move on, which is one skill set that it definitely can be taught. It's hard when you're not used to doing that, but it absolutely will change your life because you're no longer holding on to something and letting something bother you that you have no control over.
1: Yeah, that's so
0: interesting. And just to be clear, you you retired at 23? Was it 23? Yeah, I think it was 20 you could see the 23 or 24, one of the two, definitely around
1: there. I'm sure it must have been hard, but I like I like how you say just don't let it get you down because there's nothing you can do about it, you know, and and that I think maybe going through your retirement at that age from a from a from an injury probably helped you build some of that mindset as well. Um, Because you do see athletes who are disgruntled when, you know, and, and so it is, it is kind of all about that mindset. So how does it work if somebody wants to work with Headstrong and you and, and, and a mentorship program to kind of get their head right? Yeah,
0: definitely. So what kind of happens is that we set up a, um, a complimentary discovery call, which basically is just 15 minutes where. I can talk to the individual, ask them some key questions to try to determine, you know, what are they looking to achieve? What are they trying to improve? And then based on their answers and what they tell me, I can see which one of my programs would be best suited for what they have going on, whether they need kind of one-on-one personal training, whether they need to be a part of one of my master classes where it's probably like seven to 10 individuals, um, um, uh, seven to 10 individuals for around, you know, three to five weeks. Like it just depends on the person and what they have going on. And then I can kind of see based off of their budget and also off of what they've told me, kind of what fits best for them and kind of cater it to them. What do you, what do you think are the most important steps
1: for someone to really fill their potential and, and If somebody who's totally lost, you know, what would you, besides, you know, getting a mentorship program, like what would be your like just quick tips for them to kind of make a U-turn and like, what would those tips be?
0: Yeah. So a couple, couple things here. Um, the first thing is if you're really wanting to fulfill your potential, you have to stop allowing your own limiting beliefs to impact your reality. And until you actually address them, write them down and really look at them, then they're actually real because the power of self-talk is just crazy. Like what we tell ourselves on a day-to-day basis, just doing things is so impactful. And so many people, you know, as they're about to, you know, try to sign up for um, a course that they want to take or if they want to go for a promotion or if they want to apply for a job, their limiting beliefs will will speak to them and say, oh, but you're not good enough or you're not ready or do you think you're actually gonna win or do you think you're gonna do this? And like they will actually psych themselves out of doing something or their limiting belief will, uh, will basically make their body act differently. So maybe when they are in that interview, they don't appear confident or like they deserve it when maybe they are just as qualified. So it's like those limiting beliefs and that self-talk, that's number one. Secondly, it's, a, it's about the people that you spend your time around. And this is one exercise I'd like everybody to do. I always do it at the beginning of the year, but at this point with COVID-19, you can totally just do it right now because this year has just been crazy. But basically what you do is you write down on a sheet of paper, the 10 people that you spend the majority of your time around, and you would Put a plus sign next to their name if they add value to your life, if they're positive, if they support you, if when you're around them, you feel good, you feel better. And then you put a negative sign next to their name if they drain you, if they bring you down, if they're negative, if they are not, if they're gossipy, if they're, you know, and then you kind of look at your list and you say, okay, I need to spend. 90% 90% of my time with the people who give me a plus sign, and 10% of my time with the people who have a negative sign. And just by doing those two things I mentioned, you are that much closer to reaching your potential just by that.
1: There was this really interesting study I read once about how um, obesity is contagious. And it basically said it was this really interesting study, and it basically meant that um, negative habits are contagious. And they found that if your mom's best friend is, is gaining weight or over like super overweight, you have a a higher likelihood of being like 10 or 15 pounds overweight. And so not only is your first network of um, the people you're connected to mattering, the people that they hang out with matters because that directly influences you as well. Um, And I find, I find studies like that so interesting I definitely had a moment in my life where I took stock of the the people I was hanging out with and I was shocked at the fact that some of my best girlfriends, I realized they spent a lot of time talking about other people. Uh, you know, they assumed that everyone was at the same financial pl- financial place. So dinners and lunches were always over a hundred dollars that, you know, it was a lot for me at that point. And it, it was hard to sever that tie but it really cleared a lot of space mentally for me to not feel bad about myself. Cause yeah, I just figured every, they're always talking about the girl who isn't here. So I'm never there a lot. So I bet they're talking (laughs) about me a lot, you know?
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're, that's so great that you had that realization because so many people do not. And a lot of times because it's their own family or close Mm -hmm. friends, they Mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable cutting that person off or really it's not necessarily cutting them off. It's just limiting the amount of time that you're able to be around them. And then that person will recognize it. And hopefully by way of that will change their behavior. But if they don't, that's okay too. And you guys could just, part ways amicably and, and yeah. proceed, but you'll be thriving and they'll still be negative so that's that's kind well, of
1: maybe they thrive in that maybe that's just like something that they like they I don't know all these girls were doing really great but I just didn't want to be around it and I realized that wasn't who I was you know and that was a they're long these are long-term friendships these are friends I've had for 10 12 15 years and the, mm-hmm. I do think it takes strength to be like I'm gonna just be over here
0: you know yeah, it does it it really does but it's ultimately so much better for your your mental health and just your overall mindset knowing that you are always at peace and are and are happy and positive with the people that you're around because they genuine they genuinely bring that out of you and you bring that out of them and it, there's none of that negativity because that is so toxic like you mentioned it's so contagious and it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it
1: actually manifests in physical ways and it's 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 a it's a documented study. I'll find the study, I'll have it in the um in the notes so that people can can read that. Your like top three book recommendations. We normally I ask people, you know, what do they what are the books that kind of set them off in like a right direction? Or what are you reading now
0: that you would highly recommend to other people? Definitely. Um I'm all about a good book and I think it's great that, you know, in 2020 we don't have to consume media the same way so I've always been somebody who's done a lot better with the audiobook versus the actual hard copy because I don't know why but it's just easier for me because since I'm always on the move and I'm in a car a lot or it's just so easy for me to listen and do like audible or just do the do the audiobook so my top three would be the first one is going to be the power of now which is by Eckhart Tolle and that book I read for the first time in 2011, and that book absolutely changed my life, just focusing on the power of the present and not being in the past or in the future, but truly embracing every moment that we're having in the present like this moment I'm having with you right now is just phenomenal like I gotta say that because it's like the present it's, it's amazing so that's the first one the second one is going to be lean in by Sheryl Sandberg this book absolutely changed my career yeah. um, because Not only was it so admirable to see, you know, what she's been able to achieve in her career and just such at such a high level. I always love reading things with really powerhouse women and kind of seeing how they go about negotiating or, you know, how do they handle maternity leave and raises and promotions and just all that stuff. It's just great to have kind of like a a mini blueprint of how you can do things to really better yourself and better your everything. So that one, I would say. Oh I know it's great. Like whether you are a female or a male, I absolutely recommend reading it because at some point in your life you're going to manage or lead or be working with women and it's important to understand, you know, just what it what it's like. So that's a great one there. And then the one I'm reading right now, which I'm almost done with, which I'm enjoying a ton is Never Split the Difference. I think the author is Chris Voss mm-hmm. or Ross, I could be wrong, but don't quote me on the author, but it's never split the difference. It's basically a phenomenal book about how to negotiate and how to be better at negotiating in all aspects of your life, whether it be for a job or for, you know, in your career or just in general, just everything comes down to negotiation at some point and just kind of getting to hear from him. And, you know, he was like an FBI negotiator and having, having to save lives and hostages. Like it's, that's just been really cool. So I would say those are my top three.
1: I've heard I've heard about that one, but I actually haven't picked it up. I'm definitely going to try to read it now. I just want to say two things about Lean In, which because she's controversial, right? So she's yeah. she's a C suite um, at Facebook since forever. Um, but I love in that book two things that really, really I think can help people that I want to share now. Just in case you're not going to read it, but you should read it because it's great. Um, but the first one was she she says it's the jobs these days are not a ladder. You know, we're not, we're not climbing a ladder anymore. This is a jungle gym and you have to, you have to get on different, um, different things and, and try them out and see how they fit. And then just see how good you are at those things. And like, don't stick yourself on a ladder. And that's not to say that it doesn't, that a ladder situation isn't going to work for somebody. You could start in retail and end up you know, a C-suite executive at that company, a lot of people have done it and I love looking up those people and I I applaud that. But don't be afraid to jump ship and somebody said to her in the book, I forget who it was, you know, they said, if somebody offers you a seat on a rocket ship, you get on it. (laughs) I love that. I I love that too because I'm just like, we as women just like, we think about it and then we think about the thinking about it and then we are mad at ourselves for thinking about it for so long. And it's like, You know,
0: it's like, don't just get on the ship. You know, (laughs) know one of my favorite points is from that book is that she says that men are promoted off of potential and women are promoted off of results. And it's so true because Mm -hmm. there's so many women who, and that kind of goes back to kind of what I coached, like they will literally self-sabotage themselves out of a role because they will, you know, think, oh, like- I can't do it. I haven't done it yet. Or what if I take this role and then I got to do this and do that. And like at that, at that point, the guys already accepted the offer, you know, like women have to stop self-sabotaging themselves out of great opportunities that they should just do. Like you'll learn, you'll learn on the job. And that's such a fear of so many women, but I can say for myself, like every role that I've had, I've had to learn on the job, but I knew going into it that I got to take it. I got to go for it. And if there's something I don't know, there's Google, there's YouTube, you can figure things out, you know,
1: (laughs) totally. And to that point, I also, I agree with that so much because the, a lot of times women, this is a study somewhere that I'm never going to find, but it's, I think everyone, everyone knows it's true that women basically won't apply for a job unless they have a hundred percent of the skills or 90% of the skills and guys will apply if they have like 30%. And it's like, you know. What girls step up, lean in, you know? Yes. And one of the other points of that book, we'll just talk about the whole book. That um, book is just last, great. Last point <laughs> is good. But she really, if you're thinking about getting off the, um, the workforce, you know, the workforce, getting out of the work field to have kids, she does a really great job of explaining why that is not a good idea. And I really loved listening to her because she gave me the words and the tools to be able to explain it. Um, And you know, if you're going to get off the ladder or the jungle gym and not have any income for four years, you know, and just because it's going to save you sixty or eighty thousand dollars on that nanny, the problem is when you t- try to go back to that job. Now your qualifications reduce you back to basically entry level in a lot of cases. So now you're going down to a forty or sixty thousand dollar a year job. And if you had just held on four or five years, now you'd be at over one fifty probably.
0: Oh, I know. And then, like, based on COVID nineteen, there's so many industries that have completely revolution. I mean, they've completely adjusted how people work so I mean I know for me like I work from home and I'm really lucky I get to do that but that also makes me a little bit excited that when I do decide to have kids one day um there could be things negotiated around how do you get to you know maybe work from home for a percentage of time then you can be with your kids and still do a great job at work
1: Hmm. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love my company is because they really take family planning into consideration. They have a whole profile for if you want to adopt, if you want to freeze your eggs, if you want to, you one know, time. have kids. And that's one of the benefits of being in corporate America that I think people forget. In a way, you do have to deal with a lot of bureaucracy, but at the same time, there you know you have to take advantage of the benefits. There's this girl, um, Mrs. Dow Jones. Uh, do you follow her? No, but I probably should. She's hilarious. <laughs> she's like, she's very comical, but she talks a lot about finances and, and I've followed her for a while now, but she, she had this hilarious thing about how to take advantage of your company's benefits. Like you realize that when you work at a corporation, that those benefits you pay for them. So you need to be taking full advantage of all the things your company offers. If you don't, if you work at a company, any company, and you don't know all the resources that are offered to you, you're not taking advantage of your job and they're, they're taking full advantage of you. So that was one of my favorite posts that she made. pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I want to give you a chance to like highlight what you're doing at prodigy. So um, prodigy is a software company that works with, uh, with um, automotive,
0: Dealerships. Dealerships. Basically, what we do is we provide the software that's on a dealership's website, and also we also provide dealership staff, like the salespeople, with an iPad where they can basically walk through the steps of the sale with the customer, and it really creates like an omni-channel experience. So, like for, like let's say you, for example, like you're you're trying to buy your next Range Rover online, and you go on to the Range Rover website for a specific dealership and you start playing around with it, you put in your information, you start actually beginning to buy the car online. We provide that software, but then let's say you get distracted cause you're watching TV. And then when you actually come into the dealership, like a week later, That team, when they check you in on the iPad, you can now pick up where you left off with that salesperson. You don't have to do any of those steps over again. And it just really makes it so your time is that much faster when you go to buy a car because what's the biggest pain point everybody has? That it takes forever and it's really stressful. So we just really try to reduce the amount of time that you spend in a dealership and that the the dealership themselves can be that much more efficient with you and get you in and out quick.
1: I love that. That's awesome. Very cool. So, so that's, so that's, you also do that.
0: Yes. I'm a regional manager for them. So I basically oversee a bunch of dealerships across the nation and I work with the general managers. I check in with them. I make sure that there's, you know, their staff is performing at a high level using our, using our software. And it's kind of like a, like a high level um, account management role, if that makes sense. Nice.
1: And so you wrote a book and it's an yes. Amazon bestseller.
0: Yes, oh my gosh, I'm so happy about it because I literally didn't think I was gonna be writing a book in 2020. Like I had always had this, I've always envisioned that I would write a book and it would be like a autobiography and it was gonna come in a couple of years because I would have achieved so much more. And at that point I'd feel really comfortable putting it out. But really the pandemic what was is what caused me to write this book. And it was actually my dad who said, you know, Hey, Danielle, you know, through Headstrong, I actually do a lot of career coaching. So I do like LinkedIn coaching and, you know, interviews and things like that. That's something else I do within Headstrong. And he was telling me, he's like, Hey, Danielle, you know, with everything that's going on with COVID-19, there's so many people who have been laid off or furloughed or they're they're just, their careers have changed. This would be a great opportunity to put something out there that can help people and be a resource. And then that's when I decided to write the book how to master LinkedIn and separate yourself from the masses, which is all about how you can brand yourself, be unique, get yourself out there so that the right people will find you and recruit you versus you go after them. So that's well, kind of It what worked because I found you. <laughs> yes, you did. I was going to put that like the coolest <laughs> thing ever is that we met by way of LinkedIn. And that just shows <laughs> how powerful LinkedIn is because- it's the best platform. I think a lot of people may, I think really majority of the people are not utilizing it correctly to their advantage because they just think, Oh, it's just like a resume. And then when, you know, I actually need a job, I'm going to go on there. No, like you need to be actively on it all the time because it's the best networking platform out there.
1: Well, I just much prefer it to like Instagram or Facebook or anything because well, I mean, it's regulated with my company, but people take me seriously as a professional and yeah. I get to talk to other professionals, you know, like IG is great, but it's like, I don't really care what you're wearing. I want to know what you're doing. You know, yeah. it's sometimes very cryptic. You can't tell. Um, and like all that social media is such a waste. Whereas I th- feel like LinkedIn actually provides quantifiable results. So, so much
0: value.
1: Yeah. There's so much value in it. I love that you wrote that. I definitely want to read it. Uh, what, where, so where, so people can buy your book on Amazon. Can you tell us a little bit about like where people can find you if they do want to check you out on Instagram, which by the way, she's like gorgeous, like a 12 and, um, (laughs) and like so sweet. So you're all going to follow her, but
0: like where, where can people find all, all your tags and, and your website and stuff? Definitely. Well, the easiest place to get everything is actually Instagram. Um, because I have everything there. Well. Basically, on all social media platforms, if you search Danielle Mills, I will pop up. You'll see me. It's, I, it's usually some photo that I have of me with like big hair because I have really big curly hair. But, um, but if you want my actual Instagram, it's basically just Daniela, D-A-N-I-E-L-A underscore B-O-R-I-C-U-A. And basically, that is where you can see everything. Also, Headstrong has a page too. It's just Headstrong LLC. You can find me there as well but that is the best place to find everything. Cause I have a, basically like a link tree where it has all my different, um, nice. you know, if you want to do the podcast. You want to do my book. If you want to follow my YouTube, everything is in that one place. So it's just the easiest. And if you just Google Danielle Mills. It pops up too, if it's easier. Love a link tree.
1: Yes, That's me too. So good. <laughs> what do you wish that you'd known uh, before you started out on your career outside of tennis?
0: Oh man, I wish I would have known that networking was so critical. Like, or actually, no, I wish I would have known that, like, your education in that piece wasn't as important as really your ability to network and connect with people. Because I think that when you're a high schooler and you're going to college, like, there's so much effort put on like school, 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 education, 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 which is fine. But I think that more effort needs to be put on how do you connect with people? How do you meet people? How do you interact in a room? If you're in a room with a bunch of sh- like people you don't know, like how do you walk up to somebody and spark up a conversation? Like That is my strength. Like I love it. I love meeting new people. I love figuring out how I can connect with somebody within the first like 30 seconds of talking to them. Like these are the little games I play with myself because I love it. But these are things that a lot of people don't have that skill set. And it really hinders them because maybe they have a Harvard degree and they're really, really qualified. But what happens when you're interviewing against a bunch of other people who have Ivy League degrees? Like what separates you? What makes you different? So I would say that that is one thing that I wish more people would, would know about. And for me, like it was great because I, I love it and I, I really got a lot better at it, but I didn't know that going in. So I had to kind of learn that and figure it out. Whereas if I would have known it ahead of time, I think it would have been even better.
1: You know what's a good book for that is Never Eat Alone. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. But yeah, I agree with that. And you're not actually the first person on this podcast to say that. And I think it's it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow when you get to your late 30s, where I'm at, and you're like, "Ugh, I, why didn't I know this before?" But I did know it. I just, you know, also love to dance and go out. And 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 I that's I tell my I tell my little. Um, sister and and her friends and basically any young person I can get a hold of, like know who you're talking to, make friends with everybody. Like don't Mm -hmm. just stick to one little click and like think that that's going to, you know, like the wider your network, the better. Yes. And absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's so interesting. You know, I, I had a job, I, most people don't know this, but I had like a job. I was in a transition stage. I needed to make money. And I had actually had a couple jobs where I basically got fired. Um, One, I got fired the same day that they hired me. And it was cocktail waitressing at a really nice restaurant um, at one of the nicest hotels in New York. I had this job for one day and I worked one shift. It was like a trial and the manager sat me down and he said, he said he was the nicest guy ever. And he, he, And he was like, Melrose? And I was like, yes, how may I help you? And he's like, what you have is really hard to teach people. People pay thousands of dollars to try to have this thing that you have, but you just can't have it here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you have this. Huge personality, you know, and like I've never seen anyone connect with more people in a short amount of time. And in and many other roles, that job is going to really service you. But we need the girls to like stand behind this like this curtain and only like go and serve people. And because I was like getting them drinks, and they wanted me to sit down and talk to them, and I would like sit down and I was giving <laughs> business cards. And like they're like, you can't do that here, you know. Like this oh is, a period, you know? and I was like, oh. You know, and I still talk to the four people I met that one night in that, in that um, place that I worked. And I, that's when I thought, you know, I really do need to be in a services business where I build relationships and talk to people and have relationships. But it was interesting to, to learn that. And I encourage people who may be having a hard time in a role where they do like, they're like you and me, where we're, we really want to talk and interact and communicate with people and problem solve for them and help uplift them, you know, to not feel discouraged when you're in a role where that is not welcome. <laughs> Cause there's a lot of roles where that it doesn't fit that, but
0: it's invaluable in other roles. Right. Oh my gosh. That's like the coolest way to be fired.
1: <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do now? He's like, you could pretty much go anywhere. He's like, yeah, do anything. But, he's like but we can't have it here. <laughs> I was like, And he's like, I would really love if you checked in with me when like a couple of years and tell me where you're at. Cause I know you're going to be like running some stuff. He's like, but the, you know, this is a service. This is like a, yeah, this is a don't be seen job. And it was, so it was interesting, but I think it goes along with the the line of like, I need to be out there networking with my life. And it, I feel like sometimes in, in certain roles, you're not allowed to do that. And if you like to do that, that's not the right role. You know, definitely. Sometimes we pick things to just survive and hit our, our financial needs, but, um, but we really could be better served elsewhere. And so I think sometimes getting fired is not a horrible thing. It well, was um the best
0: people have been fired.
1: Exactly. And I'm one of them. So yeah. So what are some of your biggest challenges now?
0: My biggest challenges now? Um, well, I would say the biggest challenge that I have now is just getting more exposure. Like my goal of 2020 is to be in front of as many people as possible so that i can help as many people as possible so now i'm just trying to see how to go about doing that and you know i love coming on being guests on on different podcasts and it's great and i think that that's going to help but i would say that that is probably my biggest challenge right now is how do i get more people to know about me and to know about headstrong because i definitely know that if i work with you I can make you better and make you more positive and so you can reach your potential in life because everybody has a cap or not a cap but everybody has like this ceiling that they're trying to hit and we're all like right there we're kind of away from it and if I can get you that much closer to that I feel like it makes me so happy that's like my passion in life
1: yeah you're trying to actually get them through
0: even their own mental ceiling so that they don't have any limits right because yeah, most people don't even realize their own potential some a lot of times your potential is realized by external people because they see it in you before you see it in yourself so for me it's great because i have a really good i have a really good skill of bringing that out of people and they kind of come back and they're like whoa i didn't even know i could do that and that's like as a coach and it's it's crazy. People always ask me like, "Oh, did, would you have ever been a tennis coach?" And I never thought I was going to go in that direction because it just wasn't. That's not my passion. But I love that I can coach people with this, and it can be anybody. It doesn't have to be you know a pro athlete. It can be literally anybody. I can help them reach the greatest version of themselves. So you've told me that you have really great parents, and yeah. do you
1: think that that contributes to how you you know help people?
0: hundred percent hundred percent my parents are basically like the main factor of why i am the way i am today and there was a lot of tough love there it wasn't always easy they weren't always telling me how amazing i am but they've done such a great job of building me up and really instilling so much confidence in me and And I only realized that when I encounter people who just didn't have that, or they had people, had parents who were always negative to them or insulting them or bringing them down or telling them that they couldn't do anything. Whereas my parents were always like, you can do whatever you put your mind to. If you work hard, if you do this, you do that. They were realists. So I had to really, really, really work hard. But I knew that I always had that support system there. And kind of going back to what I said earlier about if something's not in your control, I just let it go i accept it i move on that 100 percent comes from how i was raised and you know i wasn't allowed to to make excuses as a kid i wasn't allowed to complain as a kid like these were things that were instilled in me at such a young age so that's why i approached problems and issues in that fashion and it's really changed my life because if i'm not putting that energy towards something that i can't change or if i can't change like let's say it's something that's going on, but I do have control of it. Well, then I can go ahead and address it. But if I don't have control of it, I truly let it go and I do not let it impact me. And that's 100% because of, of my parents. Mm. I read this book
1: many times in my life called The Art of Loving. Have you ever read that? I've
0: read that one. I'm going to write that one down.
1: So that's Eric Fromm. He is a direct opposer of Freud. But in this book, it's very interesting. And he says you need these six love relationships in life to be fulfilled. And I'm not going to tell you all them. But what I will say is the first ones are love of mother, love of father. And what he says is that when you get to a certain point – of an, of an age, like when you are an adult, you really need to stop holding on to your parents to provide the unconditional and the conditional love for yourself. You, it's really your responsibility to, to give yourself that motherly love and to give yourself that fatherly love. It, whether you got it or not, it's not really your parents' responsibility. And, you know, I don't know how old most of your parents are but when they get to a certain point it's role reversal and then all of a sudden you're like don't stay out too late don't drink and drive you're like wait right. what is going on here you know and so I feel like you're those parents the parents at some point just stop parenting you um whether they leave or 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 whatever the reason is but at, but it's your job to perpetuate that um that unconditional love of the mother and then the the, the love that basically tells you like, you have to stay within these limits to, to have my respect in a sense, or to get my love, which is the fatherly love where they tell you all the rules of the world and you go out there. And even if you didn't have those, it's smart as an adult to put those on yourself because it allows you to kind of always feel loved and supported no matter what happens to you, but also like know your limits and, and, and also know that limits are not real in a sense, you know? So So I I strongly recommend like if you didn't have great parents to just be your own great parents to yourself. And I feel like working with a coach like you kind of can kind of show people
0: what that feels like, I guess, in a way. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Because, you know, a lot of people don't get an opportunity to grow up with both parents or they lose their parents or something happens, but we can still take those key tangible, um, things and, and implement them into your life. And it will absolutely make a huge difference.
1: You know, what I think would be really great for you is if you did a Ted talk. Hey, if you know someone, let's
0: get it done.
1: <laughs> I'm like, I usually ask what's a blessing that you would like to have. If any of the listeners listening are, are in that world, I think we need to get you on a stage to do some like motivational, you know, turning, you know, I an athlete's mind into a motivator's mind for, you know, self-empowerment. It's so important.
0: Oh, yeah. It, that would be such an honor because I love speaking in front of crowds. I love connecting with the audience. And even in today's time, like, I, I love even doing it virtually. Like, it's, it's great. And, you no, know, that would be so cool. A TED Talk would definitely be amazing. Yeah, I think you'd be really good at that.
1: I want to ask a question that I probably should have asked in the beginning that I think a lot of people are going to be like, why didn't she ask that if I don't ask it? And we don't have to spend a lot of time here. But what was it like being a professional athlete as a child? Like, what is that experience like? I mean, wow. are, you, are you still tired?
0: <laughs> Am I still tired? It's so <laughs> funny you say that. Um, it's it's like, It's truly incredible to be able to, like, train for six seven hours a day and then like travel the world and get to like be in these crazy phenomenal countries and get to do what you love like for for a living and you know like you mentioned like I was very young when I started playing pro tournaments I was 14 years old and with tennis it's just it's such a different sport because you literally can turn pro at 14 and at that point you know you could play against somebody who's Serena's age or you know her level and you're 14, 15 years old. So like with tennis, it's like all about your skill set and your mind and your grit and your hustle. Because b- being an individual sport, those ladies and kids that are traveling all over the world, they are so fierce and they wanna kick each other's butts so bad, but because mm-hmm. they're on a tour together, they have to be cordial. They have to interact. They have to be okay. But it's such a competitive sport, and it's this you know individual sport. So it's like you really want to win because somebody else is standing in the way of your of your money, your championship, your success. So you're trying to beat these people down. But you have to travel the world with them, and you have to be like I said, cordial. Mm-hmm. So it's
1: like it's so a, it's like a mental thing on top of a physical thing because you're around them all the time. So that must have been insane. Tennis
0: is like a lot of people don't realize how mental tennis is. They watch it on TV. They see what's going on. They don't fully understand it, but it's absolutely a chess match happening. And every little thing is being looked at the body language, what people are doing. Like you're trying to pick up on any little thing that you can use to your advantage to help you win. Because at the end of the day, you could be just as fit as the other person or just as strong. And it can come down to, are you mentally tougher? And that is what's going to make you win versus lose or in, t- in tennis, the term is called choking. And I think choking is actually a lot of other sports too. But basically, it's like you could literally have the match in your hands. But with tennis, you have to win. There is no time limit. Like a lot of sports, they have like a clock. So once the clock runs out, whatever wh- whatever the score is, is the score. With tennis, you actually have to finish it. You have to win. There's a winner and there's a loser there at- every time. So it's like you could have the match ready to win and you could choke, which is the term. And the other person can come back and beat you because there is no time limit. So it's like, it's so mental. (laughs) What did you think about the thing that happened with Serena when she,
1: with the, with the, the, the.
0: So for those that are listening that don't remember, um, this was at the U S open and this line judge claimed that Serena did a foot fault and she didn't think that she did. And, or wait, yeah, that was why. And then she got mad and, did something and then she got like a violation from the umpire and then they they basically took a took a point from her which took a game from her and ended up she ended up losing because of it and when i watched it it was horrific because she was 100 percent true she was 100 percent accurate they do not um judge the women this in the same fashion that they do the men when it comes to getting violations for racket abuse or obscenities or you know any of the things mm-hmm. that get you those things it's 100% accurate and it's not fair and I think that that's why she was putting it making more of a deal, big deal about it because she wanted to put it on display you know for everybody to kind of see what it is because it's 100% true wow but, I, but honestly just because of that it's unfair but I'm going to take my dad's words out of his mouth and put them in mine and say, at the end of the day, you shouldn't have got, you shouldn't have lost your cool. So it's still your fault. And he's going to always be that type. And I I agree, like, you can't let anything affect you like that, no matter what, even if it's unfair. But, you know, from the point of, you know, is it, you know, do men do this, do women do that? Yep, that's true. And that may or may not ever change. But at the end of the day, you still have lost the match because of your behavior. So,
1: <laughs> right. And if it just felt wrong watching it, you know, like the whole, the way it was going down and it just, the whole thing was just, it felt wrong. And then when you look at it, it's like, it is it is interesting and it it sucks you know also her opponent she doesn't want to win that way you know like she wants to win because she won it you know and you don't want to win these things against these major competitors who are the top of their sport and like have you know that's your I mean she did want to win no matter what but I don't know I I just think the whole thing was just a it left a bad taste but like I I never really thought about it like that like if anybody can afford to like throw a game and sh- and a- and shed some light on the sport and the um inequalities within the sport you know that maybe okay. that happening actually served more good lo- down the line than it than it actually hurt
0: her right no i think it i think it did because what it did was it allowed people who are not connected to tennis put tennis on a in a micro like basically like Put tennis where everybody can see it and tennis is always like hidden and kind of under the radar and even yeah. though it could be way more popular and prevalent especially in america it's kind of on the back burner unless you know serena and venus are playing so i think it was great because it gave it some needed exposure but it was also not the best because it's like a lot of people were weighing in on it who don't even fully understand the sport so it was kind of <laughs> funny there too like but- <laughs> yeah, well, i it, just,
1: fun. I was just sitting there with my mouth on the floor. Like what is going on right now? This is like a that downward spiral. I'm so mad, <laughs> but I get it. I mean, you spend your whole life in that arena and you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. We digress and moving right along. So, uh, last two questions. What is your biggest advice to people just starting out on their career?
0: People that are just starting out. Let's see. Well, it's going to sound repetitive. I'm going to try to make it different, but I'm going to say, you know, try to to network and, oh, no, this is what I want to say. You got to try when you're first starting out in your career to get a mentor, get a mentor and have it be somebody who is doing what you want to do or is at a level that you want to be at. And try to connect with that person. And, and ideally it'd be even better if that person was not in the same um, company as you, because then you could always you know, talk with them freely. But it's just so great when you are able to go about your career having a mentor or multiple mentors that you can go to for certain things. But always remember a mentorship goes both ways. It can't just be them just giving you all the time and then you not giving So When you do go about getting a mentor, I don't recommend going into somebody's LinkedIn inbox and saying, will you be my mentor? No, like you have to actually develop a relationship with a person. And then by way of the questions you're asking or just kind of what you're talking about, then they can kind of see that they would want to mentor you. But I'll also say this, you don't have to know your mentors personally. Like a lot of the mentors that I've had in my, in my career, I've never, like known. For example, Sheryl Sandberg has been a huge mentor of mine. And I love what she's taught me just by way of reading, lean in and different talks that she's done and stuff. Like she's mentored me so much just from like her stuff. And she doesn't know me yet, but she will one day I can tell her how she's impacted my life. So it's like, you can, you can have mentors, you know, and you can have mentors that you've never met, but make sure that you have them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I echo that other women, um, say that as well on this podcast, it's really important. My whole life changed when I got, uh, three different mentors and, and, um, it makes sense. I ended up in finance cause they're all in finance. So I guess I wanted to be in this space. Yeah. But I also think that, yeah, having the courage to try different things and not, you know, when you're in the beginning of the, your career, if a mentor suggests something, or you see somebody who you you look up to doing something that wasn't necessarily something that you would have thought you would ever do, don't be afraid to try the try things that you wouldn't necessarily think are you Even right. Because like, like you were like, I'm a professional tennis player. I was like, I'm going to be a fashion designer. And like we have ended up doing very different things, but things that we're really passionate about and permanently curious about. Yes, and it it only happens by trial and error, and some things are. Good for you, and you'll and and you'll excel. And some things they'll fire you because your personality is too great. Um, and okay, is there anything that I should have asked that
0: I didn't? Um, I don't. I think no. I think that you really covered everything. I we, we you mentioned this earlier. I was going to say, you know. You should tell people how we met and we met through LinkedIn and the power of LinkedIn because yeah, it's so important to stress how important LinkedIn is. And if you are on there right now and you're not maximizing, definitely reach out. Or if you don't even have one, it's 100% okay. You can totally make one in less than five minutes. You know, like the, the, it's the, probably the one application that will impact and change your life if you can utilize it correctly. And just by way of that, you can meet phenomenal people. Like I was able to, when I got to meet Melrose, just through LinkedIn. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. You know, I use all sorts of ways to meet people that are inspiring to me to, to come on this podcast. I've interviewed friends. I've interviewed, you know, um, so many different people from so many different places. But the one thing about LinkedIn is that, that, that you're, that I really want to, to address is that if you're not on it, that you said, if you're not on it, it's so quick and it is so valuable. So so definitely people who are trying to get out there and figure out their career, I mean, if you're not on it, you should be on it. But if you haven't, if you're like in this elder millennial or Gen X, you know, and like you're not on there, I mean, you should be on there. Um, but millennials, you know, should be on there. You put your businesses on there. It's great. And And one of my cousins like kind of made fun of me He's like, or he said something like, well, if you met him on LinkedIn, that explains it. And, and it was like, but the reality for me is that, um, maybe women are using LinkedIn differently than men actually, because I feel like there might be a little stigma attached to it it, for some people. Um, and, but I don't feel that at all and I've met some of the most incredible women, you included, and I love that you wrote a book on it and I'm gonna read it and then maybe we'll do another podcast about that.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. And to your point, use LinkedIn for how it can best benefit you um, in your career and for networking. I have heard that too a little bit more so recently, but luckily it doesn't encounter me too often, which is great because I love that it's a professional platform and it's not Tinder, so. <laughs> exactly or any of the other ones that are time suckers do you use tiktok oh my gosh so i am a new tiktoker and in the beginning i didn't know what i was doing and i was uploading content that had nothing to do with like what tiktok is about and i slowly started to be able to do some of it but i'm not like an avid tiktoker doing all the challenges and different things on there but i like what i like to do is use it because it can make videos that are cool. And then I like use them and put them on my Instagram.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I'm just learning it now. So we're going to see how my TikTok. Yeah. I'm going to follow follow you on TikTok. This is probably so funny for like, like super young millennials and Gen Z to be like, listen to these girls.
0: No, it's like the Gen Zers. (laughs) Like millennials are like, huh? TikTok? Like (laughs) the Gen Zers are like looking at us like, really? Now you're going to take over our app? Just like our parents took over Facebook. Oh, 18% of people
1: on TikTok are actually over the age of 35. I looked up my statistics because I'm like, how much time should I be spending on
0: TikTok? And it was
1: actually, it's good to be an early adopter of social media.
0: Oh, it is. It it is because it's not going anywhere and it's good to get in there. I mean, I always look and see what Gary Vee is doing and I try to follow suit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to try to do like financial like like tips on there. I I don't think anybody's
0: doing that. You would crush it.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Stay tuned for my TikTok and Danielle's TikTok and everybody TikTok. (laughs) But really LinkedIn is is where we should all be. And thank you so much for all of your time and and all of these great tips for everybody. I hope that we can have more segments together and, and connect in the real world, not just virtually. And thank you for creating a business and being part of a career with awareness as as part of your mission. And I think together we can make effective changes that help us turn dreams into reality for people and the planet. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was such a honor to be on here and to speak with your audience. I love what you're doing and keep going because you are only going up.
1: Oh, thank you. Awesome. Such a sea star. Nothing in this podcast is a recommendation. Hey all you sea stars, goddesses, naiads, and neptunes, aka the paradisiacs, who care about the important stuff. I hope you all found some inspiration today and I hope to have your beautiful souls back for our next episode. This podcast supports a beautiful group of humans who gather on full moons and to find a link for Howl and Heal and for our website with these episodes, details, and blog, head to themelroseshow.com. You can also connect with me on IG at Melrose Wild, or at The Melrose Podcast. Again, this is Melrose. I hope after you listen to this conversation, you feel some magic brewing in your own destiny. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or follow us to get updates on new episodes. And if you love this podcast, the best compliment is to rate us with five stars and maybe leave a little love note about how this podcast might be helping you. Have a wonderful day and may the forces of wholeness and growth be with you all. Thank you